listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to show you from the Word of God and practically why some people have their provision canceled. And and I'll I'll show you what I mean by this because it doesn't mean God's not sending it. That that's the mo- I want I want you to understand that. It doesn't mean God's not sending it. But people will ask me, "How how come I'm not experiencing it? Where's my overflow? Where's my increase? Why is it that I don't see um the 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 abundance that you're preaching, teaching and talking about?" And so today I'm going to take this session to give you at least three reasons from the Bible why people uh, have their provision or their abundance canceled. They can't see it, even though they're tithers, even though they're givers. What is it? What's going on that causes us not to experience practically the abundance and the increase? So I want you to take a minute to share it. Very important topic. And I'll tell you why. As we're coming to the final moments of time, Jesus is coming back very soon. We need to be a church that has the resources and the generosity to let this gospel be heard around the world. I mean, no question about it. The gospel is free, but the preaching of the gospel is not free. And so whether you're doing crusades, whether you're preaching on television, whether you're preaching on the radio, whether you're preaching, I mean, it doesn't matter. The gospel itself is free, but ministry to people around the world is not free. Uh, that's why many of you have partnered with us. We're, we're feeding hundreds of children a day, every day around the world. Well, that's not free. We actually sow, we give to make that happen as Jesus said we should. Uh, as we go out and hold crusades, as we go out and hold revivals, we get ready to preach on television, radios we've done in the past, it all costs money. And if we're going to see uh, people impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ before it's too late, then we're going to have to be a church, a body of believers who has the resources to do what God's called us to do. And if we only ever have, and this is a trick, by the way, that the devil gets people to believe, that all God wants us to have is uh, enough to meet our needs. Well, that's not even logically true in the scripture. Because if all God wanted us to have was enough to meet our needs, catch this, then we wouldn't even be able to do the things he commanded us to do. So think of it this way. If all we had come into our lives was enough to meet every need, and then once those needs were met, there was nothing left over. So think about it. You've got food on the table. That's a need. You've got shelter. You've got your bills paid. You've got everything taken care of, but once those things are handled, there is zero left over. Now that's having your needs met because everything you need to live uh, is already there in front of you. However, what do you do with the other instructions of God? Think, for example, about what we just mentioned, tithing. Well, that's an instruction from God. But if only your needs are met and zero is left over, you can't even do the most basic thing, which is to tithe. Then go on top of that to give offerings, go on top of that to bless the poor, go on. I mean, you keep on going down the line and you can't do it. I mean, it's very clear that you can't do it if all you have is enough to meet your needs. So you can clearly see just from the instructions of God, the expectations of his people that he doesn't just want to meet your needs. He wants to give you all of those needs and have them met plus more than enough left over to be a blessing to others in your generation without question. You know, Jesus, and this is an interesting point, if you want to look at uh, the narrative of scripture, and if you want to see some examples from the ministry of Jesus, you can see them. Let me give you an example or a few examples. Number one, when Jesus fed the multitudes, if it was Christ's desire to just meet needs. Wouldn't God in heaven 
or Christ himself, once he had fed them all, the Bible says 5,000 men plus the women and the children in one instance, once they had all eaten and were full, the Bible says. So what did he just do? He just met all their needs. They were in the wilderness, far from civilization, didn't have the means to get food. What did Jesus do? He multiplied the boys' lunch. Not only did he feed them enough to survive, notice what the Bible says, and when they had all eaten and were full. So he didn't just let them eat a survival amount, a ration, if you will. He fed them until they were full. So go beyond that. Once they were all full, and one passage says, and wanted no more, guess what he did? He had his disciples go out into the crowd, and they took baskets, and they filled, catch this, they filled the baskets with everything that was left over, and they had 12 baskets full of leftovers. Now, God's the one that's doing the multiplying. Keep this in your mind. God's the one who's doing the multiplying. And and let me just say, God can count. (laughs) In fact, that'd be something good to pop in the comments right at the beginning of this broadcast. God can count. Pop it in the comments. God can count. God God is not uneducated. (laughs) And it's not a big deal for God to count to 5,000 nor 10,000, nor 15,000 if everybody had a wife and a child there on that day. God can count. So here's a thought for you. If God can count, and if God was the one who was doing the multiplying, and he knew their needs, why was it that God stopped multiplying, but not when they had all eaten and were full? Notice this. Even though God knew everybody has already eaten, everybody in the field is full. Did God stop when they'd all eaten? No. Did he stop when they were all full? No. What did God do? Kept on multiplying, kept on multiplying, kept on multiplying until there was what? Excess. Until there was abundance. Until there was what? Overflow. It's his nature. It's his nature. God can count. (laughs) God can count. Except he kept on multiplying until there was excess. 12 baskets full of excess. Now, was that waste? No, I don't believe it was waste. In fact, who was the one who sowed the seed? The little boy. So if we understand the concept of seed time and harvest, who had a harvest coming back to them? The little boy. It's God's system. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. What did the little boy do? He sowed his lunch into Jesus. Do you know what the little boy's desire was? He had no idea that Jesus was going to multiply that meal to feed the crowd. All he wanted was Jesus to have something to eat. You notice that. So thank you, Joel. Who was it uh, that had a harvest coming back to them? The little boy. The little boy did. And guess what? My personal belief, the 12 baskets full were not for Jesus and the disciples because if you understand seed time and harvest, they should have gone to the boy who was the one who initially sowed the seed that kickstarted the increase. What did God do in that situation? He did excess abundance over and above. What about when they came and Jesus Uh, asked Jesus, you know, should we pay taxes? Should we pay temple tax? And Jesus said, yeah. And here's what you do, Peter. Go down to the water, catch a fish. The first fish you catch will have what? A coin in its mouth. Now, Jesus was doing a miracle of provision here for Peter. But notice it wasn't just enough for Peter. I want you to catch it. Excess abundance, overflow. He said, when you catch the fish, pull the coin out of its mouth. And then he said this, take the coin, go down, pay your taxes. And while you're at it, pay mine too. You know what that means? It means that the coin that that God deposited into the mouth of the fish, it was not enough just for Peter. 
it was enough for Jesus too. See, and he was dealing with Peter. He was teaching Peter uh, a lesson. However, the overflow, the excess covered Jesus too. That's how God works. He works in excess. He works in abundance. He works in excess. He works in abundance. Oh, hallelujah. Let me give you another example of an Old Testament story. When it came time for David to initiate the building of God's temple, which he wanted to do himself, God wouldn't let him. He said, you've killed too many people. You've shed too much blood in my sight. But your son Solomon will build the temple. Well, when David heard that, he got excited. And the Bible says he started pulling out of his own excess, of his own abundance, where God had blessed him. And notice this. We've calculated the gold and the silver that he gave in today's value. He gave over $6 billion worth of gold and silver, not counting the rest of everything else he gave, precious metals, stones, timber, all that. And then his elders gave an additional $14 billion, equaling an offering of over $20 billion. Now, you can't do that if you're just living with your needs met, living with just your needs met. And so understand something, God wants to bless you in abundance you, until you overflow, until you overflow. And uh, we're going to talk about that because that's God's desire. So if people aren't seeing that, however, they're doing the things God said to do, they're tithing, they're giving, blessing the poor, and then they ask themselves the question, well, where's, why am I not seeing overflow? Why am I not seeing increase? And I'm sure you've probably had people ask you that question as well. And so I want to give you a few answers that are found in the word of God that can help us to understand why somebody might be missing out on their abundance or missing out on their increase. And so I want you to first go with me uh, to the book of Haggai chapter one. Now in this, in this passage, in context, God is commanding his people to rebuild the temple. But the problem that God has with his people is this, is that they've prioritized themselves and they've not prioritized God's house. And God has a problem with that because the moment you start putting yourself above God, you literally become an idol to yourself. That's a dangerous place to be. In fact, I want you to write it in the comments. I will never be an idol unto myself. And that's where we're at today. In fact, that's Bible prophecy. If you didn't know, I'll show it to you. That's Bible prophecy. Paul in 2 Timothy wrote to his son in the gospel and said, in the last days, People will be lovers of themselves. Now watch this. And lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Very interesting. So that's Bible prophecy. Lovers of themselves. That's number one. And lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Second Timothy three. So I want you to declare it. I will never be an idol unto myself. That's huge, by the way huge, huge. I'll never be an idol unto myself because that's what can happen. See, if you prioritize you over God, you become, and you know what he said, don't you? I'll have no other gods before me. And of course, anything that rules you becomes a God unto you. And that right there is something that should never leave your thoughts as a believer. Anything that rules or controls me becomes a God unto me. Anything that rules or controls me becomes a God unto me. That is a massive lesson to learn. Massive lesson to learn. I mean, that's such a severe lesson that I remember I've told you this before. I've listened to Brother Hagin teach, and he said when he was a young man, and I think he was doing some construction work. He would pass a soda shop every day. And every time he passed it, he would go inside and get a Coke. 
And then he realized that every time he passed it, he would go inside and get a Coke. And then he realized he couldn't pass it without going inside and getting a Coke. And he came to the realization, I can't pass this place. I'm like an addict. Every time I pass this spot, I got to go in and get a Coke. And that's when he made the decision, I will never again be controlled by any substance. And he told, that was when he was a young man. He then told us years later when he was in his mid-80s, he said, from that day to this, I've never had another Coca-Cola my whole life. That's 60 years of no Coke. Well, what did he understand? It was controlling me. It was ruling me. And I'll not be ruled by anything but God. Anything that controls you, anything that rules you becomes a God unto you. So watch this. If you rule yourself, if you literally are, and when I say you, I'm talking about when your flesh rules you, when your flesh controls you, you become a God unto yourself. And that's prophecy. They'll be lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And what was God's issue with his people here in the Old Testament? Well, let's read it and see what the Bible says. Starting in verse 2, Haggai 1-2, thus says the Lord of hosts. And by the way, if you're just jumping on, be a good time to share this broadcast because here is something that frustrates so many Christians. Haggai 1-2, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say, Well, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. It is a time, or is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? See what he's saying? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Now think about this. Consider your ways, verse 7. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You understand what's happening? He's pointing out something to them. It's a lesson. He's saying, look what you've done. You've built yourself beautiful homes. You've done stuff for yourself. And literally my house is lying in ruins while you've spent all your money and your time and your effort building beautiful homes and environments for yourselves. And what did they do? They made the mistake of putting themselves above God. And it made God upset. It made God upset. He said, you have built yourself beautiful paneled houses. You live in them. And and here's the result of your negligence. Catch catch what he's saying to them, because this is a huge rebuke. He said, you're probably wondering, how come I've sown much and harvested little? How come I eat, but I never eat my fill? How come I drink, but I'm still thirsty? How come I clothe myself, but I'm never warm? And he said the reason for that, see, it's not that they hadn't been planting or sowing. It's not that they hadn't been doing those things. He said, but the reason you're not getting the returns that you thought you should is because you've put yourself first and you've neglected my house. And so I want to talk like this uh, very strong today because there's people all through the body of Christ, and I'm sure it's not you because You know, I know you're the faithful ones that are always watching this broadcast. You're faithful to sow, faithful to give. But if you have this question asked of you, here's the answer. Think about it. Number one reason today, people prioritize themselves over prioritizing God. Now it starts to make a whole lot more sense why I told you what I did that Carolyn and I do and say is that we would never buy ourselves something that costs more than something we've done for God. Do you understand the concept now? I'm not going to go spend $1,000 or $500 on myself, go, I'm going to go buy a $500 suit or a thousand. Can you imagine 
spending money on myself like that if I had never and don't ever give God those kinds of offerings. See, that is where we're at today. That's what I'm talking about. People have prioritized pleasure and prioritized themselves over the Lord and his house. And it shows that you've placed yourself above God and his agenda. And God said, I can't bless that. I have to be at the top. I have to be your God, your Lord. And so one of the things that I've learned to do is that I've learned to prioritize God over anything else, anything else. I mean, I want the largest things. Think about this. I want the largest amounts of money that go out from my house to not go to a bill. Let me give you an example. What's the largest bill that pretty much anyone has? Your largest bill is your mortgage if you have a home. Your largest bill is your mortgage. And I live in a very nice house. I live in a very nice neighborhood. And my mortgage, it's a large bill. But let me tell you something. When the year comes to an end, my giving to God's house always, not sometimes, always far exceeds my mortgage, annual mortgage, far exceeds it. Because I want the largest thing that's leaving my house to go to God's house. I want you to think of it that way. And if you're not there yet, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying, set yourself a goal. God's going to be number one in my life. And I make up my mind. Carolyn makes up her mind. Largest thing we're going to release from this house is going to be to God's house. It will never be what I pay for student loans. Of course, I don't have student loans, but people do. It's never going to be what I pay annually for student loan debt. It's never going to be what I pay for credit card debt. It's never going to be what I pay for going out to eat or or, or for paying off credit cards or for shopping. It's never going to be my car payment. It's not going to be the largest thing that leaves my house. And my mortgage or my rent will not be the largest thing that leaves my house annually. The largest thing that leaves my house is going to be what I give to God. Always. No question. I want him to be number one. My house is not more important than the house of God. And that's the point he was making to them in Haggai. Your houses aren't more important than my house, he was saying to them. Your houses are beautiful. You built them for yourself. The environment you've created for you is wonderful. My house is in ruins. My house is in ruins. And so he's making a principal point here. Put me first and I'll put you first. Oh man, catch that. Let me go back to it because I'm gonna show you something that will blow people's minds. God continues to talk. He wasn't done talking. Listen to this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. That's verse seven. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. Listen to this. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies yourself with your own house. You see that? He's, he's, he's not happy. He's telling them why he's not happy. You've busied yourself with your own house. And so look at this. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills on the grain the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and on all their labors. See, and then he, and then the people obey the Lord, but he's explained to them why. The reason you've not had harvest, the reason you've had the heavens closed, the reason all the, he's because you've put your house first. You've put your stuff first. You've prioritized you and my house gets nothing. It's crazy because we even live in a generation where the average Christian goes to church once every five weeks. Let that sink into your spirit. The average Christian goes to church once every five weeks. And they say, yeah, I'm sold out for God. I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. They, they See, actions are everything. What you do is proof of what you believe, right? And so I'm going to give you, the, and this is a big one, big, big, big one. 
put it in the comments. Number one reason that the abundance isn't seen, even in the midst of tithing and giving, is that people have prioritized themselves over God. Me over God. Church is open on Sunday, but instead of being in church, people are on the lake in their boat. People are at their cabin. People are out traveling, doing their own thing. Do you know, even if my wife and family and I are traveling, even if we're on vacation, when Sunday morning comes, we find a church to attend. You know why? His house is first. My vacation's not above his house. My life's not above his house. And then you start to look at the type of seeds we sow. You know, because people say, well, I, I give, I give to the church. Yeah, but look at what it is you're doing. Does it mean anything? And this is a huge point. Does it mean anything? Now you're on a broadcast today. This is going to be straight meat. This is going to be something that may, you know, I understand people get offended when you preach like this and talk like this and people that need milk might be choking a little bit. This is meat for the victory tribe. Because I want to see you not only excel, I want to see you live in the utmost abundance God has planned for you, but here's what it takes. Look at what you're doing and and recognize it has to mean something. Has to mean something. What do I mean by that? Well, if I look at what I am doing for God's house, and it's really insignificant for me, then God's not even pleased with it. I've used this example many, many times when I was a little boy, you know, my mom would give me a $1 bill to go to children's church. That was my offering as like a five, six, seven year old, whatever. I was excited because, you know, many other kids, you'd bring in like change, pennies, nickels, dimes, but I was happy to have paper money to put into the offering plate as a five, six, seven year old. Well, that for me, I was like, yes, a a dollar bill, but see, there's a problem if I turn 21 and I'm still proudly walking down the aisle of the church, holding my $1 bill in hand to put into the offering plate at 21 years of age, there's a problem because at 21, a $1 bill does not mean the same thing to me that it meant to me when I was five. And this is really the concept. I have to look at what it is I'm doing for God. Remember this, no no matter how long you serve the Lord, you will always need to keep checking in on yourself. It's awesome. You'll always need to keep checking in on yourself, inspecting your spiritual life. What do I mean by that? In the same way you do in the natural. People get checkups, they get physicals. They see if, do I have any vitamin deficiencies? Do I have any mineral deficiencies? Do I need to change my diet at all? You know, what is it that I need to do? Use wisdom in my life. People do it on their business. Well, let's go year in review. Let's go back and audit and see how we did. Did we hit our goals? Did we do what we needed? How are our investments going? All those things. We check up on ourselves in these other areas, but don't forget to check up on yourself in the spiritual area of your life. Is my life pleasing to the Lord? Am I using faith to live? Am I living by faith? Am I walking by faith? Are my actions pleasing to the Lord? What about my seeds? What about my offerings, my presentation to God? What I'm taking from my life and giving to the house of God, do those things mean anything to me? Or has God leveled me up and I'm still doing something from the last level that used to take faith that now doesn't really take the same faith anymore? And so God's saying, put me first. You know, the the other question is, you know, do I spoil myself and then am stingy at God's house? You know, because a lot of, think about this. When you say words like a lot, <laughs> please understand that's a relative term. It's all contextual to what you're doing. You know, let me ask you a question. Here's the proof of what I'm saying. It's all contextual. Is $10 a lot? No, it's $10. I don't think anybody really on this broadcast would look at $10 bill and say, that's a lot. Would you? No, you wouldn't say it's a lot, but what does that mean in context? It compared to what? Well, what if I asked you this, 
Um, is $10 a lot for a bottle of water? Yes. Because I can buy two cases for $10. So yes, $10 is a lot of money for a bottle of water. So notice, it's contextual. It's all relative. So when people come and say, well, I give a lot to the church. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because a lot to the church is different for everybody. Jesus proved that when he was looking at the offerings that were being given by those that were in the temple. The Bible says rich men came down and cast their offerings in, and then a widow, a poor widow came down and placed her two mites into the offering. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, now this woman has given more than all these others. And the disciples said, how is that possible? Look what she, he said, yeah, she gave two mites. However, they gave from their abundance, but she gave all she had. Think about that. So a lot is relative. Uh, Think of it this way. I've used this analogy before and you've heard it, but it's important to remember this because am I putting myself above God? Am I doing something that means something that shows him you're first in my life? What do you think is more? Let me ask you the question. What do you think means more? If a millionaire who has, let's say, $7.3 million in the bank writes a check to the church for $1,000 or somebody who has $1,430 in the bank and writes a check for $1,000, they're the same offering. You look at the paper. Well, he gave a thousand and he gave a thousand. Same offering, right? Wrong. They're not the same offering. They're not even close to the same offering. They both, let me ask you this. They both gave a thousand dollar seed, but let me ask you this question. I want you to answer in the comments. Do you think both of those men will be rewarded by God at the same level? Love to see your answers in the comments section. Do you think both of those men will be rewarded in the same way by God for that $1,000 offering? Waiting to see. People are writing no. No, they won't. Yeah, but they sowed the same thing. They both sowed a $1,000 seed. Right? They both sowed a $1,000 seed. Won't the heavens be unlocked over their house for both of them? It's not the same, is it? It's not the same at all. And the reason it's not the same is because it doesn't take the same faith. Doesn't take the same faith. In fact, let's look at this. I'm just going to do a quick um, calculation. What did I say? $7.3 million. And I said 1430. So a thousand divided by 1430 is 69, 70% of what he had in the bank, what he had left. So let's let's take $7 million uh, times 0.7. That means that in order, think about this, for the millionaire to have sowed the same type of offering that the man who sowed 1,000 that had 1,400 in the bank, according to calculations, that millionaire would have had to sow $4.9 million dollars 4.9 million in to have that same kind of feel where it's this is costing me something. When you got 1430 in the bank and you sow a thousand and you got 7.3 million in the bank, and you sow a thousand, you don't feel it the same. It doesn't take the same faith, right? So in order for that millionaire to step out in the same type of faith that that other man did, it's 4.9 million. It probably would be more it probably would be more based upon how much money he had left. You understand? Because you can do a whole lot with $2 million that you can't do with $500. So it probably would be more than that. But the question we're asking ourselves is this, does it mean, is what I'm doing, is what I'm offering unto the Lord as a sacrifice, does this thing that's in my hands mean something to me? Or does it not mean something? And this is what I want people to see because in this day and age we're living in, people can get flippant with their offerings. They'll crumple up a 20 or 30 bucks. I couldn't. 
I, I, and I know I'm blessed, but I'm just telling you this. Even when I wasn't blessed at the level I'm blessed now, I could not just throw something into the offering that means nothing to me. I've joked about it before. Of course, I can't do it now because I'm on keto, but you know, I've gone to Taco Bell and spent more on tacos for me than some people give in the offering to the Lord. You know, it has to mean something to you. It has to mean something to you. You've got to prioritize his house over your house. And that's what he was telling them very clearly in scripture. He said, listen, if you don't prioritize me over you, then the heavens don't open. The increase doesn't come because you've made yourself a God over yourself and you give me what's left over. We can never be that person. Never be that person. It will literally cancel our provision. And that's number one. I'll never, in fact, I want you to write it in that, uh, in the comment section. I'll never be that person. I'll never be that person. I'll never be that person. I cannot be that person. Amen. Let me give you another one. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Give you two more. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Notice Paul. Paul says this in the 14th verse of 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord does Christ have with the devil? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. The second reason that many people never see the increase, the abundance that they're believing for is because they literally get caught up in wrong relationships and those relationships drain them of resources. I want you to hear this. Relationships drain them of resources. Amen. Well, you know, I, you know, so-and-so needed money and I've known him forever and I can't say no. And catch this now. It's really, and I'm going to give this to you as a, um, it's, it's not even just that people need money. It's that who you surround yourself with will define you. So I want you to, I want you to catch this in multiple dimensions. Number one, there's some people that people are always siphoning money away from you. Well, so-and-so needed money and then so-and-so had a crisis and you know, who else they're going to go to and who else, and you are blessed to be a blessing, but there are people that will manipulate you and because they know they can, and they'll, they're not looking to change their life. They're not looking to live for God. They, They don't have a desire to be responsible, but they're connected to you and have been connected to you for years. And they're literally siphoning your blessing out of your life. Like you see some people do, they'll throw a tube into somebody's gas tank, suck it, and steal their gas right out of the gas tank of their car. There are people doing that to Christians all over the world. And I'm not saying to not be a blessing to your generation. You know as well as I do, that's what we do. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who have no desire to change. They have no desire to be responsible. They have no desire to to literally be blessed. They just want to manipulate you out of your blessing. And they'll do it as long as you'll allow them to do it. Well, so-and-so needs money. Well, you know, I know she, you know, I know she does drugs from time to time, but she's hungry and she there's always gonna be somebody that if you'll allow them to will manipulate you out of your resources. The other side of that, when we talk about relationships, in fact, if you're in the comments, just put this is the second reason. Number two, wrong relationships. Wrong relationships. And it has to do with self-control because it takes self-control to guard your relationships. And so I want you to hear this because then there's other types of people. Maybe they're not always siphoning money out of your life. Maybe they're not always manipulating money out of you, but they also are completely irresponsible and they've caused you to jump into an irresponsible way of living. So maybe you just, all of your friends are literally spendthrifts, like they spend whatever they get. I mean, literally, 
You know when some people's tax returns have come, all new clothes, all new sunglasses, all new accessories, all new phones, all new electronics. You know. You know when some people's tax returns come back because they've spent all their check on stuff. And let me tell you something. That happens to Christians is that they get around people who literally cannot control themselves. They cannot control themselves. And they spend. And do you know what the Bible says about that? Let me tell you, and this is a hard pill to swallow, but the Bible says it. The Bible says a fool spends all that he has. That's scripture. A fool spends all that he has. And so there really are wrong relationships that are destroying the lives of men and women in the body of Christ because they won't separate themselves unto what is wise unto what is responsible. And and here's the thing. When you learn the lesson that you will become the average of the five to 10 people you spend time with the most, you will be, make a whole, take a whole lot more time choosing and deciding who those five to 10 people will be, right? So you start to understand I don't want us, and it's not that we don't love people. Please don't under, don't think that I'm saying we cut people off because they're not doing well. It's not what I'm teaching. I'm teaching that if you want to go higher, you have to spend time with people that are at a higher level. I'll give you an example. When I played sports and I wanted to get better at basketball, I didn't, you know, I was 17, 16. I didn't go down to the elementary school and play against the elementary students and then take them to the hole every time I got the ball and talk trash to them and say, hey, you, you can't hang with me. No, I played with guys that were older than me, 20 years old, 30 years old, that had man muscle on them, that were knocking me around and throwing me around the court. Why? Because it was making me better by playing with guys that were stronger, bigger, faster, better. Because what happens is it pulls you up to that level rather than taking you down to the level below you. The same is true in the spirit. And that's why we talk so much about encouraging people to um, really spend time and make their relationships in the house of God where you're going to have people around you that have the same faith that have the same priorities, that have the same goals, all of these same things, it's important to have that. Because see, if you don't have that, then what you're going to have is really uh, what the Bible calls a mixture, what we would call a compromise. Well, I do have some people in my life that, you know, think it's absolutely stupid to give to the church and they, they berate me for doing it and they think that I'm a brainwashed. And there's a problem with that. And, and what happens is relationships can make us or they can break us. And if we're not careful, the relationships we allow into our lives will actually cause us to fail rather than succeed. That's why Paul was so uh, clear about it to these baby Christians. He said, guard your relationships and don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, and, and it's important. And the same thing, if you've got people that are around you that are just completely irresponsible, everything goes on the credit card. I mean, just racking up stuff they can't afford, living beyond their means, doing everything, spending every dollar they get, all these different things. Guess what's going to happen? There's a, pr and, and by the way, before I say this, let me let you know, there is evidence, there's data to prove this. And I'm going to give it to you in just a sec. But if those are your relationships, don't ever doubt this. There will be pressure on you to do what they do. If everybody's out eating at a restaurant they can't afford to eat at, if everybody's buying clothes they can't afford, if everybody's buying phones and electronics they can't afford, guess what the pressure is going to be? If you want to be in that crowd, you have to eat at those restaurants. You have to buy those clothes. You have to have those phones and electronics and stuff. Shoes. There's pressure. And here's the data that I was talking about. They've actually done psychological data to look at the pressure that there is when people want something or don't want something. So here's one that I read. And you've probably noticed this too. 
If you've ever been sitting at a table at a restaurant with a group of people eating dinner and you, you know, dinner's over and you kind of have a sweet tooth, you maybe want a piece of pie and the server comes back, you know, and says, you know, how many of you, anybody ready for some dessert? Who'd like some dessert? And it kind of goes around the table and all your other people are with you. No, I don't think I'm going to have any. No, no, no. Four no's. They have proven this. That even if that fifth person wants a piece of pie, because the other four have already said no, they will say no also. Even though they want it. They want that pie. But you know what? They won't order it. They won't do it. Why won't they do it? Because they will actually conform to the group dynamic. They will conform to the group dynamic. And if you think that that doesn't happen, you don't understand the psychology of a human being, especially an unregenerated human being. People conform to the group dynamic. That's why it's important which group you're in. It's so important which group you're in. And I want to make sure that I'm not being stolen from, manipulated, but I also want to make sure that I'm not surrounding myself with who who the Bible calls fools that spend all that they have. In that case, you might actually have the provision and the abundance that you've been believing for, but you don't ever see it because it's all it always seems to be gone. Every time you check your phone, every time you check your bank account balance at the ATM, whatever, it's gone. And you're like, what in the world? Where Where is the increase that they've been preaching about? Where's the abundance? Where's the overflow? It's gone. It's gone because you've spent all that you have. And it's because of relationships. It's because of manipulation. And you've got to cut the cord and understand it's important to hang with people that are wise, responsible, and godly. Let me uh, let me make a comment here that probably would tick some people off. It's godly to save. <laughs> I mean, think about that. According to scripture, if you actually listen to it, it's godly to save. Put it in the comments. It's godly to save. Why do I say that? Uh, Because the Bible says a fool spends all that he has, doesn't save anything. He's a fool. What else does a fool say? According to Bible, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So let me just say this. A fool is a place you don't want to (laughs) be. You don't want to be a fool. And so think about this. Um, Very interesting. Saving is godly. It's godly to have excess. It's godly to have extra. It's godly to have uh, a source to pull from, that everything's not empty. It's godly to have extra. I want you to hear that. It's godly to have extra. Very important. I'm going to give you this final one that I'm going to pray for you today. And this one is, is big. And this one might take the most spiritual maturity to receive but it's Mark chapter five. I want you to see this because yes, it might take some spiritual maturity to understand it, but if you'll get it, if you'll get it, it'll help you. Of course, we know the story that in Mark chapter five, there was a woman who had an issue of blood. She had internal hemorrhaging and look what the Bible says, because, um, if you go back to, um, Verse 24 of Mark 5, Mark 5, 24 is where we're starting. And he went with him and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and had suffered much under many physicians. Now catch this. And had spent all that she had and didn't grow any better, yet she grew worse. Think about that. Now, I'm going to stop there. Here's a woman who had been dealing with medical issues, medical problems for 12 years straight, spent every last penny she had on medical help and did not get any better. She got worse. Now, this one might take a little bit more maturity to receive it, but I have to say it is that one of the reasons people don't have the full experience of their covenant is because they won't receive the full covenant of God's word. What do I mean by that? Well, one of the things that takes us out in America and around the world are medical expenses, medical bills, all the things we have to pay 
People are in debt because of medical problems, because of sicknesses, diseases. And one of the things God wants to do for every believer is to heal you physically. God's desire. It's why every time you saw Jesus operating in his ministry, he was healing the sick. He was healing the sick. Many times he would heal them all, the Bible says. Being moved by compassion, he would heal all their sick. Jesus is a healer. And one of the things that will cause you to walk in abundance and blessing at another level is when you don't have to release all this money for medical expenses. And and I'm just going to be very honest with you. Walking in divine health will keep you in a place of blessing. Walking in divine health will keep you in a place of blessing. Imagine that the, the money that people would save, not having to pay, even if you've got insurance, because think about this, even if you've got insurance, you know how it works. The insurance rates go up every time you use your insurance. You know, we had an issue here at the house where there was a little bit of leakage and uh, the insurance company had to pay us for the leakage. Well, let me tell you something. That insurance company, not only their rates go up, they, we got a letter, they may drop us because they don't want to pay you any money. They don't want to pay you any money. So even if they do keep you, guess what happens? The rates go up, which means your monthly goes up, which means then in order to get it down again, one of the only things you can do is to have them raise your deductible. So now you got this huge deductible that you hope you never have to pay. You know, it went from, you know, $2,500. Now you've got a $7,500 deductible. Maybe you've got a $10,000 deductible just to get your monthly down, hoping that you'll never have to use that insurance and pay that deductible ever again. And so what happens? It it happens. You got to either pay out of pocket or you got to pay that huge deductible. You got to pay the mother, all these different things. Let me tell you, it's a whole lot cheaper to walk in divine health whole lot cheaper. And I know that there will be people that watch this and say, well, that's not something we can govern, brother. These things happen to people. That's not something that we have control over. Well, is it not? Can we not believe to walk in divine health? Can we not believe in the healing power of God? Can we not believe to trust the Lord to keep us in perfect peace, those whose minds are stayed on him? Can we not believe? Because think about what happened to this woman. Imagine this, because we read this story all the time. And every time we read the story, we just focus on the fact that she got a healing in her body. But let me tell you something. A whole lot more than that happened for that woman that day. More than healing in her body. Thank God for the healing. But let me tell you another thing. Now she can get financially stable again. Because now she doesn't have to spend all her money on doctors and nurses and medical attention. Now she can have her finances come back to her again because she's not spending money on that. And think about the mental stress that goes with being sick all the time. One of the things that happens if somebody battles a sickness for a long period of time, it can bring depression, brings anxiety. Bible doesn't tell us whether or not she had family, but imagine if she did have family to always see her in this weakened condition, to always see her in a place where she's struggling, bleeding, constantly hemorrhaging, can't get help from doctors. That brings stress on the family members. Now they're worried about her. They've got anxiety. They've got fear. They're battling depression. She's battling depression. She's battling anxiety. All these things can happen that pile on you because of sickness and disease especially extended sickness and disease. So let me tell you, when this woman got a touch from Jesus, it was more than just getting a healing. She got her financial life back. She got her mental life back. And let me tell you, I bet you joy flooded through her soul. Peace flooded through her mind. I guarantee you her family, if she had any, was rejoicing. And now she can get back on her feet again. All that happened from one touch from the master. One touch. So imagine, can we not trust God for divine healing? Can we not trust God for a total coverage in the covenant? In fact, that's a phrase I want you to write in the comments. Total coverage in the covenant. Total coverage in the covenant. Anybody that's battled sickness or disease for even a short period of time knows in the comments, 
that it, it deals with it battle, you battling your mind as well as your body. Your family are thinking about it as well as you. So it's more than just total coverage in the covenant. What do I mean? God doesn't just want through the blood of Jesus to save your soul. And of course, that's the number one priority. Yes, he's willing that none should perish, but all that should come to repentance. But notice the, the, what Jesus did. He also wants to heal your physical body. And he wants peace and joy in your mind. He wants you to be blessed financially. Total coverage in the covenant. That's what we're believing. Total coverage in the covenant. And this is a massive, massive thing I want you to catch. And we're going to pray here in a second. And I'm going to pray for any of you that might be struggling. And I pray this has opened your eyes today, but catch this. This woman just experienced total coverage in the covenant because not only did she get healed, I'm sure her joy and peace came back and now her finances can come back. Total coverage. That's heaven's insurance plan. And I'll tell you something. Heaven doesn't cancel your plan when you use it. (laughs) Heaven doesn't cancel your policy when you start using it. God wants you to use your covenant. He wants you to use the assistance of his power. Absolutely. It brings him glory when you get what he said is yours. Brings him all the glory, all the honor. We've got total coverage in the covenant. And so I just want to show you a few of these things because this is so massively asked all the time. Well, I tithe, I give. How come I'm not? Here's some reasons. Here are three distinct reasons why people do not. And do you know what happens? And I want to say this because you might think to yourself, well, who doesn't want to be healed? Well, of course people want to be healed. But let me tell you, they've been taught to expect nothing in the area of healing. They've been taught to expect nothing in the area of miracles. In fact, some have been taught that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Don't get your hopes up. God doesn't heal like that. And so they've had leadership that have taught them not to expect anything. Well, of course, everybody wants to be healed, but here's the question. Do you believe that God does it today? Can you receive what God has planned for you today? And that's where we need to be. Of course, everybody wants it, but it's not just about wanting it. It's about stepping out in faith and taking what the Bible said is yours. I would rather die believing God than to live disbelieving him. Think about it. I would rather die believing God than to live disbelieving him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I want you to be blessed, but here's how you're blessed. You put God first, you guard your relationships, and you gain access. That's why I'm so happy, you know, that you you join me every day, but it's also why it's so important what church you go to. I just saw somebody posted on Twitter today. If your church is still closed and refuses to open, find another church. It's time. We are too late in the game to listen to these people. You know, well, our church isn't going to open till the middle of 2021. You've got problems. You've got problems as a pastor if you refuse to open your church now until 2021. Massive problems. And I don't really care. You know, I don't care what you're facing, battling. None of that matters anymore. The statistics are here. We see what's going on. We see it's a scam. We see what's going on right now. Total scam. And if you've got a church that refuses to open until sometime 2020, they won't open their doors, find another church. Because it's, it is important where you go to church. It is important who's speaking into your life. It's very important, very important. So let me pray for those of you that are that are watching today because what I want to see for you is total increase in every area of your life. I want to see you blessed by God. I want to see you flourish. What is our confession for 2020? Violent increase, expedited favor. Violent increase, expedited favor. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name. I pray for all of your children today, those that are believing for miracles. Lord, I pray that you'd open up the heavens over your people today, pour out blessing that we don't have room to contain. Lord, if there's people that are watching that were wondering, where's my increase? Where's my abundance? I pray that these things from your word have opened up their eyes. We've got to put you first. 
We have to guard ourselves from foolishness and we have to step out and receive the total covenant that you've made available to every one of us in Jesus' name. I thank you today for the faithful. These are gonna be the best four months we've seen in any year in the mighty name of Jesus. September, October, November, and December will be months of extreme increase in Jesus' name. Extreme increase by the power of God. And so, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory for it. In Jesus' wonderful name, And everybody throw some fire in the comments if you believe it and receive it today. And let me encourage you to take today and sow a seed by faith. It's what we're believing. It's what we're talking about. We're talking about putting God first. Here's your opportunity to sow a seed that will not only take faith, but will position you for great blessing. And one of the things that we've been encouraging people to do is to stand with Carolyn and with me As we're preaching this gospel, we're traveling the world, we're seeing people saved. We just finished, man, if you got to be with us, we just finished a powerful week in in Washington, Pennsylvania. It was jam-packed to the walls, to the walls. And uh, God was moving. People saved in every service. We had people touch, change, miracles taking place. It was supernatural. And we're getting ready to leave again very soon, going to Ohio Coming up right after that, Montana, right after that, Indiana, it just keeps on going. God's opening it up. Just like we prayed, people are being changed. So here's what I want you to do. Pray and say, Lord, what can I do by faith to stand with Ted and Carolyn before Jesus comes? You can go to miracleword.com. You can sow a seed monthly, weekly, however you'd like to do it by clicking on the give page or the partner page. You can now fill out and and create an account uh, that you can manage all of this at your own leisure, your frequency of giving, how much you'd like to give, uh, and you can do that all right on the website. If you're in the United States, you can use Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal as well. And in the comments, uh, Twitter or Facebook, you can use hashtag donate. Let me just say this, for every person, oh, that's great, Ben. You coming to see when we're in Evansville, Connection Church. Man, I'll be happy to see you, buddy. I love you, man. Um, Let me say this. Here's what we're doing for everybody in the month of August that's standing with us um, in partnership of $85 or more. This right here is probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest book that's been written on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Dr. Lester Sumrall, who operated in the gifts of the Spirit proficiently, this has been the Pentecostal classic for years. And this is our gift to you for the month of August. For everybody that's sowing $85 or more this month, here's what you, if you want to receive it, and if you've sown, if you're sowing, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, fill out the form, let us know where to send it, and let us know how you gave. We want to send this book to you. This is a life changer. In fact, when I um, when I recommend people books, top 10 books, you know, for ministers to read or top 15 books, that is always on the list. It's one of the most powerful books that's ever been written for Pentecostals on the gifts of the spirit. Uh, probably the most powerful on the gifts of the spirit. There's other great ones too. My father's about to drop one that's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait for that one as well. Um, but that's our gift to you. And then for everybody that's sowing uh, $1,000 or more. Of course, we're doing two things for you besides that. And one of them is this, the hardcover edition of Further Faster, the brand new book. I'm so happy that this is out on the uh, force of impartation. It is so important to understand impartation. And then of course, we're sending you uh, a genuine leather copy of the Life Application Study Bible, one of the best study tools that you'll find uh, for the for the uh, Christian that's that's going through God's word and trying to dig deeper into the things of God. Those are our gifts to you. Take a minute today, sow a seed by faith, stand with us. You know, maybe you're saying to yourself, well, I can't yet stand at $85 a month, but you know, the most I can do right now is $50 a month or, you know, $30 a month. Do what you can do by faith. I know everybody's at a different level. Do what you can do by faith and step out and watch while God increases you uh, while you are partnering. It's happened to so many 
uh, of our partners already. They send testimonies. I started out partnering with you at $50 a month. Then I jumped to $85 a month. God kept blessing me. Now I'm at $100 a month. Now we have partners at $500 a month, $750 a month. God just keeps doing it. And the increase will come to you as well. I know it will because God's system. It's God's system. Uh, Fabiola, all of our information about where we're going to be, our our full schedule can be found at miracleword.com. Click the schedule page. It'll give you the address, the times, the dates, everything you need. And uh, we'd love to see you guys at any of our upcoming meetings. It's I'm, I'm very excited about these. I'll be next in Ontario, Ohio. After Ontario, Ohio, we're going to uh, right outside of Billings, Montana. After that, we're going to Evansville, Indiana. and just keeps on moving from there, October, November, December. So I'd love to see you at one of these upcoming crusades. It's time, man. Take a road trip. Come spend some time in the presence of God. I know you'll be blessed. I'll be back with you all these next, what, two and a half weeks. And uh, so I will be back in the morning again, 1030 a.m. all this week. Got some exciting news for you next week. If you're on, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to share it with you. I love you guys so much. Thank you for hanging with me today. Have a phenomenal day. Thanks to everybody that's sewing. Love you guys. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.